0: Following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. Hello, everyone. It's Pastor Alan here again, and we're continuing our series on the Gospel of Mark, which I've written entitled The Remarkable Gospel. This is the message for October the fourth, 2020. And the section that we're in right now, we've been looking at chapters 11 and 12, where Jesus is in the temple, and he's he's teaching people and interacting with them, and they're challenging him. We're going to see how he challenges them. And what we have here is the Lord's a way of, of teaching them and us the ways of God's kingdom. I've referred to this idea of the upside-down kingdom, when really, we're the ones who due to sin are are upside down, and he is seeking to turn us right side up. And he does that in in a whole variety of ways, which we're going to be seeing this week as well. Often I read more than what we're going to focus on, but this week I'm just going to read the passage that I am going to be uh, teaching from uh, today. So let's read Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 44. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as self is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions and as jesus taught in the temple he said how can the scribes say that the christ is the son of david david himself in the holy spirit declared the lord said to my lord sit up my right hand until i put your enemies under your feet david himself calls him lord so how is he his son and the great throng heard him gladly and in his teaching he said Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you again for your word, and we ask that you would open our eyes and our hearts To receive all that you have for us in, in these, uh, in this passage. Please help us, Lord. Help us, help me to communicate well and help all of us to hear you and allow you to do the work in our hearts and lives that you want to do. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, uh, we start off with a good question. Verse 28, one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he, that is Jesus, answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Now, I've talked about these various religious leaders that we encounter in the Gospel of Mark, in the Gospels in general. Uh, There's the the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. Uh, The scribes uh, were Bible scholars. Uh, sometimes in some translations, you'll see that they are experts in the law. And uh, biblical law isn't simply a, co- uh, a cold legal code. It's mainly what we have in the books of Moses, further expounded on through the rest of the Old and New Testaments. Uh, but God's law is his ways. And so they weren't legal experts in the way the lawyers would be today. And that again, and there's... Um, modern translations that we'll call scribes lawyers Uh, they were called scribes because in their history and and possibly they themselves uh partly learned scripture by writing it out they were scribes uh and became experts in in what they were in the in the words of of moses primarily that they were copying and so people would go to them uh to understand What God's words said, and especially when people had disputes with one another, they were the ones that would settle those disputes. So they were experts in God's word. So we might call them Bible scholars today. And so this particular scribe, we're seeing people disputing, and one of the things we have to be aware of as we read in chapters 11 and 12 about Jesus teaching and interacting with people in the temple is we're getting samples of some of what was going on. He he must have said a lot more and taught a lot more than the bits that we're getting. We're getting important bits. We're getting bits of what Jesus was teaching and saying, uh, as was uh, Peter, uh, who whose gospel this probably was, and then Mark, who wrote it down later, how they were inspired by God to provide us, the reader or the hearer, with what we need to what we need to learn and so he'd been hearing what was going on and saw that Jesus was answering the challenges well so he was impressed with what Jesus was saying and so he had a question and the question that he brings is a a good question not a good question oh that's a good question that we don't really have an answer to but a really high quality question and to be asked something like this, which commandment is the most important of all, was something that people who were passionate about God's Word would want to know. Uh, he wasn't trying to find out what's important so that I can neglect the other things. He wanted to know how best to understand God's Word. And seeing that uh, Jesus had uh, an amazing, good grasp of God's Word, he wanted to hear what he had to say in terms of what was his perspective about what God's priorities really were so that the scribe could understand, could live, could teach according to the right kind of perspective on God's Word. So it's a really good question. Which commandment is the most important of all? Um, So where am I here? So uh, one of the things here, too, is it seems this person really wanted to know, and and it it pushes back against the misconception that all the religious leaders were bad, you know, scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees, they're all the bad guys in the Gospels, and that's really an overstatement. Uh, the sadducees clearly have issues as the power brokers of the temple of the temple system and in jerusalem they were clearly uh, by and large corrupt pharisees are far more complicated i won't get into it now uh, most think that the scribe was part of the the party of the of the pharisees and i've referred to them as the keeners they had issues just like we all have issues but by and large, just like what Paul says in, in the book of Romans, that they had a zeal for God, but uh, often they were misguided, like we are often misguided. Uh, and this this scribe uh, is is obviously not part of the, the the ones that are are being harshly criticized by Jesus, which tells us that there were some like him uh, that. That, that were like this. And so we need to be very careful to take some of the, the harsher comments on the part of Jesus and others in the New Testament about certain groups of people and assume that that means everybody in that group should be painted with that kind of brush. And so, um, what, so I'll move on. Let's see what Jesus' answer uh, was to this man. Verse 29. Jesus answered, The most important is the most important commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So what happens is Jesus gives a standard answer with a twist. So he's asked, What's the most important commandment? And what he starts by saying, what he begins with, is not a surprise. He starts with what's called the Shema. It's the most important statement. People sometimes call it a prayer. It's not really a prayer. It's it's a statement that God gave to Moses in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Shema Yisrael Adonai Elohenu Adonai Echad. At some point in Jewish history, maybe going back before Jesus, um, we don't know when this started, but religious Jewish people say this every day and continue on in that passage just like Jesus did. Now, in the other two Gospels where we have a similar interaction, we don't know why Mark and Luke don't record the first part of the that paragraph from Deuteronomy chapter six that begins with Shema Yisrael, Hero Israel. It's possible in the minds of the hearers in no matter what, how much of the passage is quoted, they would understand this. And uh, we see it's it's an important part of the interaction that this scribe has with the Messiah here. So by Jesus answering the question this way, he's grounding his answer in standard Jewish thought. And as we seek to understand what Jesus is correcting— as he's interacting with religious leaders and other people in his day, we need to be careful not to throw out babies with bath waters uh, and overstate uh what, he, what he's criticizing. He never criticizes the word of God. He actually draws people back to the Bible. We saw that way earlier on when the Pharisees were asking about the washing of hands, something that God never commanded. And then they they thought they were being very spiritual by adding this to the ways of God and we have to be very careful um in in making our customs uh, uh portraying them as if they are God's word and we do all have a tendency to do that and we have to allow God to correct that when we make important that which God himself has not made that important now right now it's important to wash hands because we're in the middle of a pandemic and washing hands before we eat for health purposes is is Very, very wise, but it's not a commandment from heaven, and we we should not divide people over hand washers and non-hand washers from a a heavenly perspective, and who's in, who's out, and that sort of thing, which had become something that the Pharisees, those religious leaders, had done. And, and so we need to see how we have overstated or added to what God is telling us and how we relate to other believers and, and to non-believers too. Like What are the requirements to truly be a child of God? We need to be careful not to add extra to what God has demanded. Um, and so Jesus starts with a standard Jewish answer that everybody would agree with, uh, hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one you shall love the Lord your God with everything you've got And then he then he adds he's and, and the second is like it and he groups this other commandment with the first one and 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 turns them into a an integrated uh, unity that that somehow in order to understand God's priorities of what he's calling people to do, you cannot separate this second directive, from the first the first is uh the god of israel is the only god he's god alone and we need to love him which is to serve him with all we have but don't separate it from love your neighbor as yourself and that's the twist the they all knew that love your neighbor as yourself was important i won't get into all what that means because of lack of time here but to so associate the two in the way that Jesus did, that wasn't so common. And yet the scribe picked up the the wisdom of what Jesus was doing here. We see that in the next verse, verse 32. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and that there is no one besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And, and so if you think about it it's kind of interesting that he would say this. So note that he's impressed by the priority that Jesus gives to love God and love your neighbor and the way he puts them together. And he contrasts the importance of love God and love neighbor, uh, love God and love neighbor over and against the the temple rituals now you and i wouldn't do that um because we don't have the sacrifices anymore in those days the sacrifices were front and center and they had become even more front and center because of the situation that they were in it's very important for us to get this when the scribe congratulates jesus well good answer teacher he saw what Jesus was doing. He was prioritizing the essentials of loving God and loving neighbor um, over ritual. And I think we all understand that. And in fact, the people of his day should have understood that too. But for some reason, they weren't. And I'll, and I'll explain. I'll, I'll try to explain what all this means. So first of all. The, We need to realize that it wasn't wasn't radical uh, for Jesus or the scribe to think in terms of love God, love your neighbor as more important than the ritual. Remember, the rituals were important because God commanded them, um, but they needed to be kept in perspective. They needed to be in proper priority with what God was calling people to do, and never should the ritualistic aspects of God's word to, uh, take priority over the core of loving God with all we've got and loving our neighbor as ourselves. Now, they should have known this. Uh in 1 Samuel, uh, the first chapter of Isaiah, seventh chapter of Jeremiah, this, and sixth chapter of Hosea, sixth chapter of Hosea, this is it, explicitly addressed we don't have time to get into them all but one of the more famous ones is when king saul in first samuel was told by god to annihilate these evil people but didn't and when the prophet samuel confronts him uh saul said well look what i did i took some of the finest animals what they had and made them as a sacrifice to the lord and he is so chastised for this Samuel said uh, verse uh 1 Samuel 15 22 has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord behold to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams all the people knew this story they knew that they knew that obedience to God was was number one and we didn't take and we should never take um like do activities for the Lord as some sort of excuse for not obeying him. And and yet that's what Saul did, and that's what the people in Jesus' day had been doing. The people knew Hosea 6, verse 6, where God says, For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God, rather than burnt offerings. God wasn't saying he didn't want sacrifices at all, but they needed to be kept in perspective. So the people and the leaders should have known this. And if they were given a theology test, they probably would have answered it correctly. And yet something was going on in their day that was that was eclipsing true obedience to God. It was getting in the way. And we need to we need to hear this. So what had happened was the temple, which was really important. It was something that was of God. The importance of the temple had taken over almost everything. Um, and it's very understandable how that happened. Because here, the Jewish people were under Roman occupation. Roman soldiers were everywhere, and this was a sign to them that something was not right between them and God, because foreigners were ruling their lives, and they knew that that was a very bad sign. These were pagans with their pagan ways and worshiping idols in what people called the Holy Land. This was wrong, 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 wrong. And yet, Caesar had allowed the Jews to not have to do the pagan rituals, and that was pretty good. Second, they were allowed to have their temple, so you could see how the people could be looking at the temple, and going, "Ah, I know things are bad, but they're not that bad because look, we still have the temple, and also we must do everything to keep the temple and to keep the temple ritual, even if it means if even if it means compromising with Rome to do so. And so what had happened was the temple ritual. Uh, led by the priesthood, led by the people called the Sadducees, they had become corrupt in order to preserve what they thought was what God wanted. And so they were willing to sell their souls for for preserving what they thought was was God's ways. And when you do that, you actually become blind to God's ways, just like Saul and you sell your soul to the devil in order to preserve what you think is godly religion. And that is something that we need to hear today. Are we selling out? Are we finding our identity in our traditions, in our buildings, in our in the, what we've always done, or are we loving God with everything we've got and truly loving our neighbor as ourselves? So Jesus responds to, to the scribe's response. He, here's his evaluation, what the scribe said. Verse, the beginning of verse 34. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, the scribe answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Now from my reading, nobody understands why he say this to him. Why does he say, you are not far from the kingdom of God? Like, oh, goody. Uh, What does that mean, not far from the kingdom of God? Except it's possible, it's a challenge. How many of us are not far from the kingdom of God? We're near it, but are we in? Have we truly given ourselves to, to the Lord Jesus as God is calling us to? Or are we kind of on the periphery like the scribe sizing up the situation oh you're a good teacher i like what you have to say and we can have a good discussion and you know that i answered well and all the rest oh oh goody because that's not necessarily good enough have we truly given ourselves to the lord as he's calling us to Second half, verse 34, and after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. And that's a statement probably about everything he's been saying up to that point, that with all these interactions, there was nothing more to say to him, whether you were for him or against him. Verse 35, we begin to see Jesus now challenging the people himself they're not asking him questions he's speaking directly to them and as jesus taught in the temple he said how can the scribes say that the christ the messiah is the son of david david himself in the holy spirit declared from the beginning of psalm 110 that david wrote david wrote this the lord said to my lord sit in my right hand until i put your enemies under your feet verse 37 david himself calls him lord so how is he his son and the great throng heard him gladly now they might have been hearing him gladly about this in particular which this is what it sounds like or about everything that he's been saying um it's it, so the people knew correctly that messiah was to be a descendant of david which jesus was whether they they knew that he was or not he was the messiah was supposed to be a descendant of david uh, but he might have been challenging an idea that that The Messiah was simply going to be a great champion when actually he was going to be a whole lot more and this could connect to the earlier statement of not being far from the kingdom of God like so you appreciate Jesus you like what Jesus is saying but do you really know who he is Do you really understand that he's not only the son of David, but he's actually the son of God? God become a man? And not simply so that we can go, oh, I love you, Lord, but so that we would truly follow him, so we would truly trust him, that we would truly make him the center of our lives in every way. And so now he moves to a warning against religious hypocrisy. Verse 38, and in his teaching he said, and this is a sign that this is... He didn't just say this, but this is some of what he was saying. Beware of the scribes. And that's kind of interesting that he just had a positive interaction with the scribes. As I was saying earlier, be careful about the generalizations. This applies to whom it applies. And if it applies to us, we need to hear what he's saying. Beware the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts. Who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. And uh, this would have been a, a good time to be talking. This is in the temple. It's festival time. This is a time to you know for the people who think they're a, they're the real important ones to be showing off. And often, you know, when we show off, you know, there's times we know we're showing off, but there's other times, you know, we're know we know who we are we know we're the important ones we know you know we're the ones that contributed to the whatever and it wouldn't be these people wouldn't be able to meet here if we didn't contribute to the whatever and you know maybe we're not in the kind of congregation that puts up plaques honoring the the big givers but we know who those people are and they know who they are and and thank god for the people who who uh, are wealthy and give but what's their attitude and also you know Poor people can have nasty attitudes and proud attitudes too. It's not about having lots. It's about our attitude towards these things. And um, and he's pointing out a common thing in life, not just for Jewish religious leaders in the first century, but in life where it's just so easy to put on a show. When actually they're being unjust towards the poor and the needy and yet showing off. And there's so many ways that we can do that. We, me, us can do that. I'm not saying them. Well, that looks like you, right? I'm not saying them. We, we got to be careful. Are we loving God with all we've got and loving our neighbors as ourselves? That's what we're really doing as we're trusting Jesus with our lives completely? Or are we pretenders? Are we pretenders? Like the Religious leaders, he's talking about here, and then uh, something happens, which is an example of the of what he's really looking for in genuine, godly faith and obedience to God. And we're going to end with this, verse 41. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, like the people, he, the religious leaders he just talked about, and a poor widow, the kind of person that gets oppressed by some of these guys. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. Um, Soon, many Canadians won't even know what a penny is because they're not in circulation anymore. Uh, The Greek words used here for these, the two small copper coins, make up this very, very small amount of money. Uh, And so this poor widow put in all she had, these two copper coins. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. The example of this particular woman is, is quite fascinating uh, because, uh, note, it talks about she had these two copper coins. Nobody would have criticized her to keep one back. She, you know, she could have given half of everything that she had and kept the other half to buy food. But instead, she was entrusting herself to God, offering, in a sense, her whole self to God through the giving of the little bit that she had. Now, this is not saying that everybody should take everything they have and and, and give it as an offering to the Lord tomorrow or today. This is, it's, it's a real thing but it's an illustration of what he started with when he was asked by the scribe what's the most important commandment. And it's giving our whole selves to God and caring about the people around us. It's so easy to be people of pretense that put on a show and and, and don't really do it. Well, here was a person, the poor widow, that did. A lot of people, this will make them nervous. They'll start to think, oh, what am I not doing? But notice, we're called to love God with all our heart, all our understanding, and all all our strength. The, the, The comparison that Jesus makes has all to do with what people have, not what they don't have. We're not to look at other people and compare ourselves to them to see how we're doing with God and with life. All God wants from us is what we've got, and that's what He's calling us to give to Him. And let's not think that, you know, if we give Him lots of our money, even all of our money, then that, you know, that makes everything better. He wants us. He wants us to hear him. He wants us to obey him. He wants us to serve him with all we've got, whatever that is. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you again for your word. And I'm trying to share something, but we all need you to speak to us. Help us, Lord, to see how you're calling us to give our whole selves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Until next time, God bless you. God bless your families. Hopefully I get to see you. Please, if you have any questions or comments, uh, you can email me at pastor at allsaintslutheran.ca. It would be nice to see you at our Wednesday evening Bible study. The link to register uh, should be in the description of the video below. And so until next time, this is Pastor Allen from All Saints Lutheran Church. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca.